Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Paragons of Earth, the exciting new superhero comic I'm working on with Thomas DJ and Eric Johns. For this comic, we've unearthed a number of obscure and forgotten Golden Age superheroes, plucked them from the depths of the public domain, and completely redesigned and reinvented them for the modern day. It's an exciting cast of characters, and we're throwing them up against the threat of a Lovecraftian apocalypse. It's got action, it's got drama, it's got alternate dimensions and alien worlds, and it's even got a giant shark in a Hawaiian shirt. What else could you want? But in order to make this comic a reality, we need your help. The comic is crowdfunding now, and you can help support it by going to crowdfunder.com slash paragonscomic. That's crowdfunder, without the E, dot com slash paragonscomic. You'll be able to find that link in the show notes, so please double check if you didn't quite get it. Please help make this comic a reality. We are counting on your support. And now, on with the show. Maybe you should be our manager. Wait a second. Maybe you're just the kind of bizarro influence we need. Forget it. No more jobs here. Uh-uh, I think you'd be a great manager. I'm gonna suggest it to the girls. I've given up trying to assimilate. Mm-hmm. I've got to get back to my own kind. Although... I have developed a greater appreciation for the female version of the human anatomy. Oh! Howard, you really are the worst. <laughs> Come on, let's watch David Letterman. Hmm. Come on. Okie dokie. You know, I got a feeling my life's really gonna change since you fell into a ducky. Yeah, well, I'm glad somebody's happy. If I could just get my career back on course, I'd only have the old standard worry left. What's that? Just can't seem to find the right man. Maybe it's not a man you should be looking for. Ah. Uh, you think I might find happiness in the animal kingdom, Ducky? Like they say, Dal. Love's strange. We could always give it a try. Hmm. Okay. Let's go for it, Mr. Macho. What do you mean? Okay. It was a joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. It's just that you're so incredibly soft and cuddly. Bev, let's be realistic. I mean, my apartment's zillions of miles from here. <laughs> You're three feet taller than I am. <gasps> I just can't resist your intense animal magnetism. Uh-huh. Whoops. Anyway, where will it all lead? Marriage? Kids? A house in the suburbs? Let's just face it. It's fate. No, it's not. <sighs> I've got a headache. And I got the aspirin. Be gentle. Just one good night kiss, sweet ducky. Come on, Howard. I was just kidding. 
Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. Welcoming back a returning guest who I'm very angry with for making me watch today's movie. <laughs> and that is Nick Baldwin. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Perry. I, I, I will say you had it on your list, man. I mean, it's... <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, it You know, it was funny. Uh, someone had asked to do Howard the Duck a while back, and I'm like, ah, I don't have it, though. And then, um, like, a month later, I found it. And I'm like, okay, well... And that guy and I had lost contact, so I decided to just put it on the list anyway. So, um, I will that's say, true. I I did open the door. This yes. if it weren't for this podcast, like <laughs> we could blame each other because I would have never had it on my list of things to get to. So, <laughs> well, it's funny because we were talking uh, last time you were on. We talked about Superman two, and I was pointing out what um, what a nice treat it was that you picked a movie that I actually enjoyed for once, and then you come back, you're like, I want to do this instead. I think when uh, we first scheduled this, uh, the response that I got when I gave you the answer to which one was, oh, so back to bad movies then. <laughs> exactly. All right. So if you guys heard anything in the background there for a minute, um, my son was playing with one of my daughter's toys and she decided to push him. Oh, hold on. <laughs> you got it. OK, let's try that again. My kids are, are, are trying to kill each other right now. So uh, that's always fun. This is what you got to look forward to in a little bit, buddy. I was just going to say, yeah, if we go for a second, you know, or if we ever yeah. have kids over, I'm sure or not, you know, kids will find a way to be disruptive regardless of whether they have a, some other kid to be disruptive with. <laughs> the hardest part is when they start walking because it is so hard to keep an eye on them. Like everyone talks about how the. The first few months, right? It's like, oh, it's so hard, but it's easy. They just, they wake up, you, you feed them, you change them, you put them back to bed, and that's it. It's when they start moving around that it starts to become a hassle. <laughs> yeah, um, we have another friend that just recently had a kid that's, I think, like nine months old now or something like that. Mm. Don't quote but anyway, uh, they sent a video recently that was like, we're about to be in trouble. And it was like the kid just almost able to crawl reaching for something yeah. it's like yep yeah yeah for yeah. ambulatory you're in, you're in for a treat so first time i saw helena starting to climb over the baby gate i'm like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and then once they reach the size of anthropomorphized ducks then you're really in trouble <laughs> then you're really in trouble yeah <laughs> which we'll be getting to today. Um, but uh, before we talk about uh, too much of that, uh, what have you been into lately? Anything that's uh, grabbing your interest these days? Yeah, so uh, I think kind of some of the typical stuff, you know, been watching Bake Off with my wife and we've been watching uh, the Beckham uh, documentary. That's been interesting. Just finished Loki last night. Uh, I was a little bit behind in terms of, you know, release schedules and things. But uh, well, I still got to watch the last episode of that. I haven't had a chance to. So I kind of figured that might be the case. I know you and I tend to be on a later schedule that we're not, we're no longer the, uh, the midnight warriors who are like logging into Disney plus, you know, right when it drops or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, unfortunately not. Um, well also a big part of it is just cause I've had a bunch of stuff, a bunch of podcasts scheduled the, these like past this past week. So it's like every day I've had to be watching something different to prepare for, for the, the upcoming episode. So I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch Loki. I think it was this morning that you were uh, messaging me about uh, Howard the Duck, right? Where you were like, damn you. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was last night for me because I was. Um, yeah, I was. It was sat down. I started watching it. And 
So obviously we are going to be talking about Howard the Duck, but um, and we got to the scene when there is the female duck bathing and you see her <laughs> duck boobs very prominently. And I just like I and so I, I looked it up on Google. I sent I sent Nick the image uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe you made me watch this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots to go with it. I will say not mm -hmm. to again, no, we want to try and go back to other things. But I remember I remembered there was duck boobs. And when he's first like looking at a magazine and he kind of unfolds mm. the centerfold, I was like, oh, yeah, this must be that. That's that's not that bad. I mean, it's not like mm. you see anything. And then, you know, two minutes later or whatever it is, you see the one woman bathing and you're like, and I was like, oh, no, that's the ones. So that's yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> I was not but expecting yeah. that because I'd, I'd heard about the uh, quote unquote sex scene, but I'd never heard about the, the duck boobs thing. So I was not expecting that at all. Um, yeah. But uh for for my my point part what i've been into is again because i've been doing all these podcasts right after another i don't have a whole lot to talk about but um last episode i talked about how i did see the marvels and it was good it was a lot of fun um okay. and I have uh not seen it yet so well it's a it's a great there's a great mid credit sequence i think uh i think you'll be very excited about that uh hopefully it hasn't been spoiled stay off of social media stay off of like the news aggregators until you see it because they have been spoiling it and i got the um the John Krasinski cameo in Multiverse of Madness spoiled oh. by because I was reading Google News and it was right there in the headline, <laughs> like just like two days after it came out. <laughs> I think I'm yeah, I think I remember people having that problem, too. I haven't had anything spoiled yet. Knock on wood. Good, um, good. Yeah, I've been been staying cautiously away from certain likely sources. So but the other thing that I got to do was um, I. Uh, so the other day, like things like two weeks ago, they had a sale on the PlayStation store and they had the the Batman VR game for okay. um, it was for like two bucks or something. So I bought it and I have not been able to use my VR, my play PlayStation VR since probably since before my son was born. <laughs> so that's like all that's like over uh, almost a, it's been like a year and a half, almost. Yeah, a year and a half since I've been able to use it uh, just because whenever I take it out the kids want to play with the cords so it's mm. impossible with other sure. video games it's fine because I, the controllers are wireless but the vr it's got all these cables connected to it the kids are always wandering around the room so it's very hard to to do it unless they're not in the they're not in the house so my wife had had taken the kids out to the park or something so i'm like okay good this i can finally play vr for, for a change so i loaded up batman vr and and it was it was too short. Like it was such a fun uh, experience, but it was like, it's just like one story. Basically it takes like, you know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour to complete the story. Um, but it was fun. It was, it was a pretty cool experience. I mean, for two bucks, it definitely was worth the experience. I was going to ask. Cause yeah, I, I don't have a PlayStation VR currently, but I've had it. You know, I've played VR on some other people's <laughs> headsets before. I think <laughs> I played the first chapter of Vader immortal or whatever that was called. And, yeah, it's, it's sometimes they can be very, very brief, and and sometimes you're asked, you're expected to pay like you know full game prices, oh, yeah, like yeah, sixty bucks for something like that. So yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. It sounds like you know, thirty minutes of any kind of VR fun, let alone an awesome Batman adventure, is mm. definitely worth two dollars. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the coolest thing I think the 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 coolest thing for me was when you're going down to the Batcave because okay. and you and you suit up as Batman and everything and. 
And then when you see the cave all around you, like that was really cool. That was a really cool moment. Um, Is there like a moment when you're lowering the cowl on over your eyes too? Yes, yes. In fact, there's um, you know, you have to you have to put on the gauntlet. There's like this automated bat suit thing that comes up, and so you like grab the symbol, you put it on your chest, and it like puts most of the suit on. You grab the gauntlets and it loads them up. And then that shows the cowl, and you pick up the cowl, you turn it around, you put it on, and then a mirror comes down and you see Batman in the mirror. <sighs> That's awesome. That's it was cool. cool, and it was a it was a pretty cool prologue to uh, Arkham Knight. Okay. Um, and there are lots of little like collectibles and stuff like that you can get throughout the game, which I haven't done all of them, but I've done some of them. Um, and, and the story was a nice prologue to Arkham Knight. It it kind of fills in some gaps in the story, or at least makes things a little bit more clear for what happens in the story. Um, so it's basically when he finds out that he's been poisoned by the Joker. And he's like being infected by the Joker virus. So that that's kind of what the story is all about. Interesting. Yeah, it's been years, but I really enjoyed Arkham Knight. So I don't remember the details of the storyline, but I remember really liking it. Yeah, I like every now and then I'll fire it up again. And um, it, it's a lot of I I still got a problem with the the tank stuff. But other than that, like the the Batman portions of it are just so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, but yeah, the VR stuff, it's, it's fun, but it is, it's very cumbersome to, to use sometimes, especially when you have kids, you got to have a completely, the room has to be really dark too, for the camera mm. to work properly too. So that's another thing that can be kind of challenging because we've got these big windows right by one side of our room. So if, when you're playing things that are non-VR, have you gotten a chance to, to play the new Spider-Man game yet? No, I have not because that's uh, that's PS5. So I don't have a PS5 yet. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. But yeah, yeah, I um, I've been I keep checking the sites and it's like you can get a digital used version of the PS5 now for about under. It's probably about like four fifty American. It's like it's like fifty. It's like just under fifty thousand yen. So that's about probably about like four fifty in America in US dollars. Wow. Um, so it's not quite where I want it to be. I want it to be lower but it's i I've, I've been watching it so yeah i think that's what i got in a bundle from uh it's about that that i paid i think it was 500 with the bundle total and oh okay that but oh, this wow was... you got a good deal then on that yeah that's wow. <laughs> so i like i didn't <laughs> and i know it was back when it was still tough because part of the reason I, I you know some got notification on gamestop as a member or mm -hmm. something like that, so well i didn't mean to to stir up uh, ill feelings that night. No, I, no, not at all, not at all. It's uh, it's you know another problem too is just like it, it's so hard to find the time. Like I, I figure once the kids get into preschool, that'll be, and once I finish this comic book project, then I'll have more free time to actually, you know, get into gaming a little bit more again. Yeah, and how long have you extended that for now? Um, it's it's an indefinite extension for awesome. the comic book project. So yeah, it's um people can donate. That's one of the nice things about crowdfunder is you can the you can make the camp the campaigns run and they call it extended time. And they just say, like, you know, whenever you want to finish it, you can finish it, but you can keep it going as long as you want. So and then if you do want to end the campaign, you can also transition the crowdfund into a store. So people can still go there and buy and buy stuff even if the campaign is over. I, well, listeners, I know I'm already supporting it. The art looks amazing. The the brief storylines, uh, you know, are are sound interesting as well. So I'm I'm eager for my copy and hoping that we get a second volume. So if you're listening to this, go go find it on Crowdfunder and, and yes, so that is a uh, for Kickstarter as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's Crowdfunder.com with no e slash Paragon's comic. The links in the show notes. Um, but to plug this as often as I can, the chats too. Um, 
But uh, but today we're here to talk about something uh, less fun, and that is <laughs> very true. <laughs> and that yes, and that is uh, Howard the Duck, the uh, 1986 um, film that was supposed to be uh, George Lucas's way to get out of debt, and it did not quite work out that way for him. <laughs> I always love pointing out to people this. I have this note, like my, some of my favorite things to to point out is is that a this is a Marvel property, which I don't think is as shocking for people anymore because mm-hmm. there was the Marvel of the Duck uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, but right. I mean back in 1986 or whatever, uh, you know, since then, absolutely people were shocked. Like, what? That's the same thing as you know you know when iron man was popular or then the second thing i always love telling people is like yeah and this is what george lucas followed up star wars with yeah yeah (laughs) always blows people's minds (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh so before we dive too much into the movie what's your um what history if any do you have with howard as a character Howard as a character is pretty much just this movie or his other appearances. I've heard people talk about him in the comics. I know that he's existed in the comics. I've maybe read a couple of panels where he you know, mm-hmm. appeared in some kind of larger storyline that was happening, but I have never picked up like a, a Howard the Duck comic. Mm-hmm. So this movie and other appearances are pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the, uh, I'm pretty much in a slightly similar boat. I'm a little bit more familiar with him in the comics. I haven't read any of that classic Steve Gerber series, but I do have it. I, I picked up the Epic collection in one of those uh, sales on comiXology, which a little bit of a rant. I just got the email right before we started recording that Amazon is now ending the comiXology app and they're merging it into, into Kindle. And it just, and from the responses I've seen on Reddit, the merger is not going well for a lot of people's comic libraries. So it's just, Digital comics was nice while it lasted, but it looks like the the it's ending now. I so this is gonna, it's so funny to me. You and I've had enough conversations about getting into digital comics. I finally transitioned, and for my birthday, I got an iPad and have the Kindle app and have Comicsology, and regularly I'm like I've only not gotten so far into it enough, and now I'm like just confused about which one mm-hmm. uh, is where and where it appears. And then you've got your Marvel Unlimited on top of that, so hearing that it's like it's it's going poorly does not make me excited um i will say for non-big uh property ones i don't know if you've ever heard about this app called omnibus i just heard about that today yeah i was actually just looking at researching it before we started up jumped on here um but yeah i've been i've been looking i just started looking at that there's also global comics is another one that's been uh making a lot of waves lately they just released an app version too so um see i'm interested in checking out more of those i've actually got there's a preview of uh, Paragons of Earth on uh, Global Comics, actually. Okay. So yeah, Even... I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look up see like what the the publishing situation is uh, on that. Well, I'm looking up Global Comics later. Hopefully, Omnibus works out better for you in terms of uh, some of those other comics that you want for yourself, and also maybe in terms of uh, Paragon. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, so that that's disappointing. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I haven't read any of that classic Steve Gerber series. Derek was a huge fan of that. I do remember he loved Howard the Duck. He he, he talked about that a few times uh, on the show. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, and I I believe that he did not have fond memories of this movie as well. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I could be completely off on that. Of the comics, this has to make you even more angry. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I have read, um, I've read one of the stuff, one of the Howard series that 
several years after this is back in like the early early aughts when uh, marvel launched their max line their like adult oriented comics line and they did have they did bring steve gerber back to do a uh a howard the duck miniseries for that okay. and so i read that i've read that and that was pretty that was it was okay it was not not the best but also you know it, it's tough to go back to the well um and then i had read uh a fairly recent one i think it was uh it might have been chip zardsky was doing it um, but it was like Howard is like a private detective. And I remember I don't remember, have very strong memories of that, but I remember it was pretty it was pretty entertaining at the time I was reading it. I can totally see how Chip Zdarsky would fit into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've talked before on this podcast about sex criminals occasionally, which was something. Yeah, I yeah. Found very entertaining, especially the first uh, two thirds. So. Um, same- <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I said and it's in the same vein as Howard the Duck, like adult themes, absolute absurdist that type of stuff yeah yeah um so so yeah so i had never seen this movie but it is you know infamous right (laughs) um it had a uh the the budget was about 37 million dollars and it made about um 38 million dollars worldwide and only about half and like 16 million dollars domestically so it made less than half its budget in the u.s (laughs) Um, and didn't even, and just barely broke even, it looks like. Yeah, was not uh, not a big seller. I was having fun looking up the different uh, ratings. I don't know if you did this at all beforehand, mm. but a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> then this is the one that cracked me up. On Amazon, which is like purely, you know, uh, people who've watched it rating it, a 4.5 mm. out of 5. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But then don't worry, Rotten Tomatoes brings it back down with a 13%. So Yeah, so I watched this on my on my Plex server and on Plex it shows you the the Rotten Tomato scores, it shows you the the critic score and the audience score and yeah, both the critic and the, the critic score was like r- something ridiculously low and the audience score was not much higher. Usually the audience score is much higher than the the critical score that was not the case with this movie. Yeah, I think it was in the 20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so what were some of your thoughts? Like, what, what, what's your history with this movie? When did you first see this movie? Um, I remember seeing pieces of this movie, at least, probably at a very early age. Like, maybe as young as even, like, seven or eight. You know what I mean? Like, well before I probably should have been, considering it has duck boobs and pseudo-sex scenes, uh, you know, at different times. I can remember, for example... It wasn't this time was the first time it ever uh, clicked to me, but I do remember at some point asking sort of what is that thing that she pulls out of his wallet? And then in one of my previous watches since then, when I was young, (laughs) I know what a condom is like, (laughs) but it was something I I was watching it at an age where I had no idea what that was. And so that gives you an idea of like how long this has been. I realized as I was rewatching it this time from those early memories, I only have bits and pieces and glimpses. Like I remember the diner scene really heavily. So mm-hmm. it might've been, that's like one of the only things I really watched. Um, but I just remember the imagery and I remember being impressed by, and this is still true, the, the puppetry and like mm-hmm. the sort of craft, which is a very George Lucas thing for that to be a case more so than lots of other pieces. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just kind of like, I, I've like a lot of memories of it being like that guy in this movie. Cause you've got, um, 
Jeffrey Jones, who plays like the uh, eventual villain, mm. uh, you know, which to me was that guy from Ferris. Right. Bueller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, scandal noted with him, by the way. But um, oh, really? Oh, yeah. He. Um, I will let you and your listeners Google it because I don't want to be like uh, speaking out of turn or, or uh, just literally Google his name with the word scandal and, and you'll, you'll oh, see. Oh, wow. What a little bit older now, but I think that's part of the oh, reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's right on his Wikipedia page. So, yeah, um, pleaded no contest to soliciting a minor to pose for nude photographs and subse- subsequent arrests for failing to update his sex offender status. Oh, whew, Jesus. Oh, I didn't know that he had the subsequent arrests. I just knew of the, the, <clears throat> the sort of original pedophilia and uh, mm-hmm. being. Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> um, but also, you know, Tim Robbins in this, too. <laughs> And that was the second one I was going to say is I think somewhere along the lines, I knew Tim Robbins face. And so it must've mm. been like, cause I also saw Shawshank probably earlier than I, I should have, but in my head, like I remember that guy from Shawshank uh, was mm. what Tim Robbins was to me. So that's kind of like my memories of this movie. Oh, and you know, you can't, I mean, Leah Thompson is like a, a goddess who can do no wrong, even in mm. this movie, even though she may or may not do wrong in this movie, but uh, she can't, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. girl, so to speak, from uh, Back to the Future. So th- it was one of those movies for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. Jeez, this movie. <laughs> you know, what? The, one of the things that drives me nuts about this movie is that it's the first half of it, actually, it's it's not bad the first half is actually not too bad i think the biggest complaint i had in the first half was um uh chip zine as howard as the voice of howard like that that voice just doesn't fit my vision of howard i think you need someone more acerbic and you know someone who's a little bit more um has got a little bit more of a harder edge to their voice um who can who can pull off sarcasm a lot more i didn't i mean he gets a little bit better as the second half moves on but still, like I felt, I kept feeling like you need someone, you know, I guess kind of like a Robert Downey Jr. type to do uh to do th- that kind of role. Like you need someone who's got that kind of like acerbic wit about them to really pull off Howard's character. Yeah, sort of a, a quiet confidence instead of in and it's no criticism of the, this voice actor and anything else they've been in, but at least how it's played here is a bit sort of like a whiny. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a, I get maybe they were trying to make it sound like you know like the quack of a mm-hmm. duck, but uh, it's not at all a sort of likable sound, and there's certainly not a protagonist that you find yourself just innately wanting to root for. Right, right. Um, oh, oh, but funny thing, do you know who was originally cast as Howard and who quit after production had started? I don't think I do know this. Tell me, Robin Williams. No. Yes, Robin Williams was originally going to be uh the voice of Howard. Um but the the way that the duck's bill moved like it it was it was too slow for like his usual um his usual type of speech and so he wasn't able to like really kind of get the kind of, you know, effects that he wanted to do the kind of voice that he was usually doing. So that didn't that didn't work out so well for him. So he ended up leaving production. And then after that, they, they called up. Uh, so on set, they'd had the, the puppeteers was actually doing the voice on the set. And then later they brought in uh chip zine who had auditioned, but didn't get the part at first. And then they brought him in after the fact to, to dub over the dialogue. That is mind blowing. And I totally makes sense in terms of like, cause it's, 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 he, the chip zine fits the bill movement quite well. Mm-hmm. So much. So that yeah. I, 
assumed it was done that way that it's you know that somebody was speaking the lines on set and then the voiceover was completely separate because it is clearly meant to match that it also yeah. makes sense though that like robin williams would have sounded way better but yeah his sort of cadence and the fact that he kind of like talks ah, and big and then slow mm. and then also like really quick and you know uh it would have been virtually impossible to try and do with that particular yeah. part so well i'm also not sure if robin williams would have been the best choice for howard i think he's a little bit too over the top um i mean i know he can he can do more subdued he well he was able to do more subdued stuff as well but i think at this point in the, his career i'm not quite sure if he would have been the the right choice for that i could understand that too for sure for sure he's definitely but, got uh, more just yeah confidence that uh oh yeah absolutely uh smoothness to his speech Although, funny story, this actually, this movie actually kind of, in an indirect way, led to the creation of Pixar. I do think I know some of this, that there yeah, was like, go ahead, go ahead. Because uh, George Lucas, he just finished building Skywalker Ranch, and it was like, you know, $50 million, and this movie was intended to get him back into the black, and, you know, it completely <laughs> bombed, so he had to start selling off assets. And so, um, Steve Jobs offered to buy um, uh, Lucasfilm's CGI animation division. And the price was well above market value because him and Lucas were friends. And, and you know, Lucas was, you know, it was such dire straits that he agreed. And that division eventually became Pixar. Yep. Yep. But uh, I was thinking about this. When, in my head as I was watching this, I was I was comparing it. I was thinking of who, who framed Roger Rabbit. And I was thinking like, this probably would have worked a lot better if you had done like that approach where you'd mix like 2D animation with live action. I think it would have worked a little bit better in that instance. Yeah, I I would never have actually necessarily thought of that. Although uh, I'm like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit became came up as the very next thing that you know my mm -hmm. TV was recommending to me because I think it's that same vein of you know sort of a you know fish out of water tale of someone coming from a different world type of thing and paired with, you know, someone else and trying to uncover the mystery and all that jazz. And um, I do think that would have been better. I think that it might've been more difficult, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Not really uh, George Lucas's thing. You know what I mean? He, he tends right. to want to try and make it as realistic looking as possible, which is, you know, yeah. so, but uh, yeah, no, that that's interesting. Imagining the world where that's the case or, and unfortunately, like if they were to do this in the MCU now, a and we could get into this, but I don't think that I don't think that the character of uh, Howard the Duck, the way that he actually is, and he's kind of supposed to be a little bit of an, in my opinion, outdated uh, character. Mm -hmm. uh, without being an update, he he doesn't fit in a modern movie. But even if he did, I would wish that they would not do the CG that they've already done, where they look realistic. I think doing something cool like that, where it's like, well, they're from an alternate universe basically mm. or, or at least an alternate planet like whatever yeah. make it animated you know make that that would have been really pretty cool actually i mean i've i've been curious if they would ever do something with howard because he's appeared in all the guardian stuff and you know in the background he was in the i think he was also in the in the christmas special if i recall correctly and so he's appeared in the background of all of the guardians movies and obviously that's only in there because james gunn has an affinity for the character there's no other way to do it um and I think if you had James Gunn doing a Howard the Duck movie, I think that would be amazing. I mean, now I don't know how likely that is with him heading up the DC stuff, but I mean, he would have been 
or even or not even like a, a movie, like even just like a Disney Plus special like they did with the Guardians Christmas special or um, the, the Werewolf by Night special. I think if you did a Howard the Duck special, it would go over really well. I will eat crow enough to say that, yeah, I, I could see that some especially some sort of special, maybe 40 minutes, you know, not even a feature length, let alone uh, a series. And if there was anyone that could have managed to pull off the sort of offbeat in poor taste uh humor of it but mm -hmm. like in a way that's tongue-in-cheek and weaking at the like like that you can just sort of tell the movie makers themselves know yeah. that this misogynistic thing that this cartoon duck is saying like is a misogynistic thing that this cartoon mm -hmm. duck is saying uh and yet it still would come across as earnest like i think about peacemaker uh and you know guns work on that so yeah i, I would exactly. agree that if there was one person who could pull it off it would probably be him and I don't even think like the the misogynist the misogynistic aspect would really need to be there at all. I think you could easily take that out of the character because the whole thing about him is just more his acerbic wit and the the kind of satirical approach. And with superhero movies being so big now, I think you could do something really interesting with him. You know, basically parroting superhero movies. Yeah, I could see that actually. See, this is this is why you're like a, a, a awesome comic book creator who comes up with these stories yourselves. And I'm just someone who likes to talk about them because I could never come up with something like that myself. <laughs> well, because I think one of the problems with this movie is it's satirizing something that doesn't really exist yet. I mean, it's like the, you know, Howard the Duck did a lot of satire of superhero comics, I believe, back in the day. And there's not really any. This is Marvel's first. This is the first theatrical film that had that featured a Marvel character since the original captain america serials so there was like nothing at all like what are you going to satirize this is before this is before burton's batman even yeah yeah it's very interesting it's like it, it, like you said it was supposed to be the kind of the the saving grace and it's it's sort of uh what lucas wanted to do you know in a in, to a certain degree of like after i mean i know it had to do with like he, he was going through the divorce and everything and there was stuff like that and he needed money but mm -hmm. there's also you know, kind of like the, this is what you choose to follow up something as amazing as Star Wars with. And it, it's mm. just like, what was the, like, who thought this was going to be the moneymaker? Who thought that yeah. this was the, how? Like, you know, like, it, it, as you and I are even talking about it as two huge comic book fans, comic book mm -hmm. movie fans, we're on a podcast that's literally all about the fact that they exist because in the last 30 years, there's been a lot more of them, but even we are like, well, it's kind of a stretch and I'm still not sure if it would be able to, you know, hold up mm. to a, a entire feature film. And this was what they chose to just come out of the gate with. And I'm just like, who decided, you know what I mean? I got, it's gotta be just the fact that it was, oh, people like these sort of, you know, oddball comedies, or I think about, you know, the, the sort of uh, what's the one where they like create uh, the perfect woman or something like that weird. Oh, science. Uh, weird science. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I'm, it's gotta be coming out of that vein of mm -hmm. let's just, let's just pair some bizarre thing, sci-fi premise with a babe. And, mm -hmm. you know, we'll be able to make that work on basically nothing other than the fact that it's got babes and it's got sci-fi and it's got oddball comedy. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. That seems to be the entire thrust of this movie. Um, <laughs> In fact, one of the one of my favorite reviews, I'm looking at Letterbox. Um, <laughs> there are uh, the <laughs> this one review. I think this is the best one. If you just imagine how many people in Hollywood had to sign off on a talking duck movie this horny, the whole thing gets a lot funnier. <laughs> I totally agree. And even though I have seen this since I was younger, I can't remember the last. Like I've probably seen this maybe 
in full three times in my entire life, including the one that I most recently watched it for. But somewhere along the line, I always forget how horny this movie is because mm-hmm. it is all horny all the time. <laughs> I mean, I will give it credit. It is not as horny as Batman Forever. <laughs> I think Batman Forever gets the gets the gets the the Oscar for horniest movie ever made. I don't know. I'll have to go rewatch that one. I do know we've got bat nipples and you've got Jim Carrey in a leotard. Oh my God. Go back and listen to the episode we did with, with Mark Buskett talking about Batman forever. It is super horny. It is extremely horny. Every character is horny for something in that movie. (laughs) But yeah, but going going to this movie though, I mean like the, like you mentioned the condom scene, you know what I kept thinking about that the entire time I'm watching it. I'm just like, there's no wrapper on that condom. Is this a used condom he's keeping, or does he just keep unwrapped condoms in his wallet? I had no idea that I, this is this is how weird this movie is. I'm thinking about the logistics of a a raw condom in someone's in a duck's wallet. Well, and that's where I say like it's supposed to be either some commentary I think on him being kind of a womanizer because there's also when we first are introduced to to Howard, you've like you're listening to uh you know some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Like answering machine message mm. with some girl that's, you know, all about him. And then it shows him reading uh, a postcard from someone with a different name. And it's like, mm. oh, how I love you so much. So that's the other thing is like they've set this character up to just. Also, be- when uh, when Beverly's looking at his wallet, there's a picture of him with at the beach with two other duck ladies. Yes. Yes. And so you've set him up as this like weird, horny character, which and I'm, I have something to come back to the condom thing, too. But so bizarre then that uh when he does finally have a chance with her he like freaks out and is, is yeah. like afraid to do it it's like dude you've set this character up as being someone who clearly pulls tail and now all of a sudden he's afraid of it after having made all these innuendos but anyway, like i think that the kind of person pulls tail he... is <laughs> it took you a minute to catch that one <laughs> Oh man, and, and and also the number of like duck and and bird puns. Like, there's so many times people are like bird brain or mm. uh, you know uh, oh, just just so many comics or like the the I assume you saw the Breeders of the Lost Stork. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, such a great uh, <laughs> ridiculous terrible Easter egg at the beginning, and the kind of thing I think is supposed to be like he's like he's the kind of guy that would have just like a loose condom because he's always ready, but he's always dirty too. You know what I mean? And I'm like, <laughs> if that's a message you're trying to send, that is against so many of the other things that you've done to make him a likable character. And it just mm. doesn't fit. And yeah, the only other yeah. thought I had about it is when it make, when you make me think about duck penises, I think about the fact that they are barbed and therefore, how does that condom work? <laughs> you made the point about the... The barbed duck penis, and that made me think of, um, were you a Supernatural fan? No, never did get into that one. Okay, so so I love the show, and there's this uh, there's this one scene where um, the the angel character Castiel, who came in in like season four, I think, and like there's this one point where he'd like kind of gone crazy, and he was like in this mental in- asylum, and then he was he was talking to to Dean Jensen Ackles character and he just makes this random comment and he says did you know that a cat's penis is barbed along its shaft he's like I happen to know for a fact that the females were not consulted about that 
Yeah, I'm sure there's some kind of animal kingdom reason where this makes sense for certain species, but uh... it's to it's to stop them from escaping. Well, I... Right. <laughs> <laughs> that that no, that's literally what the purpose is because they tried to, they can't escape them. Oh man. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that sex scene was so weird then because it felt like um they were doing like okay, well this is an adult movie we want to show them being intimate. And he's like all horned up. And at first she's like, oh, no, 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 we can't. And then she starts getting into it. And then and then he's like, oh, wait, I, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I'm just like, I, it feels like they were filming that scene and someone from legal was standing was standing on set. And it's like, wait, what, what the hell are you doing? You cannot have bestiality in this movie. So then they had to. All right, all right quick. Rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. Yeah, I had the thought, too, of that it sounds like maybe like as they were writing it, that that's what happened is like you could just see two people back and forth and like, oh, yeah, and then this happens and then this happens. And then they're like, oh, we're both getting a little bit too turned on by this stuff. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you wanted to take it this far. Like <laughs> it's it's absurd. But it also again, it, it's one of those many places, I think, where this movie is inconsistent is it's mm. just like. It's yeah, I get it. Okay, you want to be the adult movie? Like, you don't have to show anything. They even have the like silhouette setup where it's yeah, like, okay, exactly. Only show anything through there. You know what I mean? You know what? Lips on his duck bill. I was half expecting when they walk in and you see the silhouette that we were going to see like uh, this massive erection in silhouette or something. <laughs> I mean, that would have felt like it was more in vain with other portions of this. Exactly. This movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this is a I think this whole movie is just an example of why you should take cocaine away from executives. and Just give it to the writers instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and again, another letterbox review. Um, uh, you said he's pointing out the fact that there have been um, a lot of people on letterbox who have. Um, called it a fun guilty pleasure he said now i have a few questions for you all what kind of sick bastard would put tits on a duck how can a duck fuck a person how can a duck fuck what the fuck <laughs> i mean that pretty much sums it up right there that's i mean, I mean we could be just <laughs> oh man and, and the, the other thing that gets me is it's like this movie wanted to have that because I think that's what's maybe true to the character from what I gather. And you could correct me if I'm wrong. You've, you've read at least a little bit more than me. Mm. But then they also someone decided that they had to have some kind of a like big super villain battle mm. or big. And, and so that's where this movie is just like this movie could have been like a, a, a straight 75 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, barely hit the feature length get these certain things out of there you could have even had some of the the stuff like the whole part in the middle where it's like we're trying to establish this relationship i guess between him and her like the, the part where he like becomes her manager or you know mm. fights the manager like all of that was just like this serves no purpose i mm. do not feel any of the emotional stakes you are not giving me additional like deep knowledge about these characters and it ends up not having anything to do with the long-term big bad of the movie so no absolutely i mean like the when jeffrey when they bring in that whole thing about the dark overlords i'm just like what what where did this come from this just it just seems to come completely out of nowhere it is totally incongruous with the rest of the movie because i think what this movie would have been best served is if you just did it as like a wacky 80s comedy about this this 
anthropomorphic duck landing on Earth and how he deals with being on Earth. And in fact, if you made the story about like him becoming her manager and like the trials they go through, at I think that would have been a lot more entertaining and it would have been a much better way to to use Howard the Duck for satirical purposes. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, especially in the 80s when you had the, you know, the commercialization of music and everything. You had the you had the punk scene in the background too as like this response to it. I all of this stuff, it it is perfectly set up for all that stuff. And but it's as like a in a way, kind of like a, a counterpoint to the whole greed is good thing from Wall Street, which and I think that it could have been so much, it could have been such a better, but one of the problems too is you got George Lucas doing this, and George Lucas is not really big on, is not really, I don't really think George, I don't think biting social satire when I think George Lucas. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I think spectacle and cool effects mm. uh, when I think George Lucas. Yeah, cutting edge stuff when it comes to that, which is so fascinating to me because he's also obviously the, the sort of original architect of what is one of my favorite worlds and story places mm. but uh yeah um <clears throat> well i mean just even to that point like the original director that lucas wanted was john landis and you know you know his own issues aside like i think if you have john landis doing this movie i think it could have turned out a lot better yeah i agree i completely agree that i think it would have been more of sort of his uh sensibilities i wrote down the director's name at some point but i don't think i really recognized him from much when i first looked at it no i, I didn't recognize his name either um but yeah it's uh it was directed by willard Huck? i'm not sure i'm pronouncing that right but it's funny that it, it willard it's funny that they get a guy whose name rhymes with duck it looks like <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why i got the job <laughs> Well, he okay. He's he was married to Gloria Katz, and she was um uh she was one of the producers on this film. So uh, I wonder if that's probably why. Um, but yeah, I don't see a whole lot of stuff on here. I mean, he had um he was a writer on American Graffiti. It looks like he's he was mostly a writer. He was one of the writers on Temple of Doom. Um, gotcha. And then he directed Messiah of Evil, uh, and he directed a movie called French Postcards, and then Best Defense, and then this, and then. Nothing else after this, really, other than like, uh, no, that's all he did. Just just director, just directing those four four movies. So this must have been like his friend within his social circle who knew him from writing on other projects together. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was married to Gloria Katz. He, he had worked with uh, Lucas on American Graffiti. He had done some rewrites on Star Wars as well. So, so yeah, I think that's exactly why. They're like, we'll give you a budget. You, you know, you're at that stage of your career. And then he did not do well. So <laughs> I wonder if he like, you know, maybe he didn't, he was doing as best as he could, could have been studio notes and all that other jazz. And then he just decided like, nah, I don't want to mess with that anymore. <laughs> well, it turns out that this, cause this was the second consecutive financial failure for him. So like at best defense also was a box office flop. So that, that basically killed his directing career was after this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, what are some other things that that stood out to you about this movie? Well, for one thing, uh, the fact that he lands in Cleveland uh, is as a man from Ohio that uh, stood out to me and made me chuckle. I did like that. I did write down that line in my notes. If I had somewhere to go, I certainly wouldn't be in Cleveland. <laughs> 
Um, I actually, the music that she like first is singing to, I thought that was genuinely uh, pretty good. I, I you know like, what? honestly, that Howard the Duck song at the end slaps pretty banging. Yeah, it's 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 a I, I kind of I was getting into that. I, I'm like, OK, this is this is not that bad. I kind of like this. Yeah, I think my, my my wife and I watched it like two or three nights ago and like all the like while we were getting ready for bed. And then when we woke up the next morning, we're just both like Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it gets stuck in your ear, man. It, you, it you does. Know what... Yeah. It was yeah. not a bad. The music was not bad, especially for the for the the type of the, the era it was made in. Let's see. What other notes do I have? Uh, we already talked about it's very impressive. I thought how the puppete- how the puppeteer and the voice actor's voice lined up. I don't uh-huh. love the voice actor's voice, but like it really did line up pretty well. And so if that was the sort of important piece, that man, you know, nailed it when it comes to that. Um, oh, apparently, um, also people who had other people who auditioned for the voice, John Cusack and Martin Short. Wow, Martin Short. Martin does- Short would have been. It, it, I think he might have been able to pull off, but I think John Cusack actually could have done a pretty decent job at that. Like you think about him in High Fidelity, I think he would have probably done a he probably could have done something like that in this, and I think it would have would have worked at least better than Chip Zine worked. Yeah, yeah, I could see that sort of. Yeah, exactly. And he's in a little bit of that talking to camera sometimes. Yes. Least- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, okay. Um. We've already talked about the horniness, but like one of my notes here about I never understood like how many like when I first watched this movie, I never understood how many sexual references there were. And some of these, uh, some of these we've not mentioned, and one of them at least makes me think of something completely new. But the duck condom we've talked about, the sex scene that's almost there, but with the hair feathers, like I didn't really know what an erection was the first time I saw (laughs) this movie, so didn't get that. And I also, the whole hot tub sequence, which brings me back to things that didn't need to be in this movie. We have this whole like 20 or 30 minute section where he looks for a regular person job. And that includes mm. him getting a job working at a hot tub place that is slated. Like, I don't know that this even in the 80s ever existed. This yeah, like, I'm like that you go to that everyone sits in a hot tub and they're all running around making out with and clearly having sex with each other. Like it's... I'm- I think the the whole idea was, and I wonder if this was a uh, a script change or something um, mandated by the studio, because it, it feels like they were supposed to be in a bathhouse, which, you know, back in the 80s were infamous as hookup spots for, for gay men. And I wonder if maybe that's what it was supposed to be. And the, the producers or someone was like, no, 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 we can't have uh, we can't have gay guys in this movie. So we got to make it a, a straight um, uh, bathhouse. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of, because otherwise it just because, yeah, I've never heard of anything like that i mean the closest thing you have is the 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 soap lands in, in japan with here where where they're basically you know basically erotic massage services but it's not like this free-for-all thing it's you go into right. a it's a private room type of thing okay i did not know about that but <laughs> oh yeah yos and just uh, didn't know the term <laughs> the topic of prostitution in japan is an interesting thing to look into because there's it's a very uh very interesting way that they utilize loop very effective use of loopholes in the in the law there interesting um yeah but i mean that is what it feels like as a brothel i mean it feels like a brothel it, does. it totally it's feels like that and so i'm just like and also too like clean up the hot tubs like <laughs> how is the how, if it is a brothel 
why are they looking for people through the unemployment office? <laughs> I feel like that would get you in some legal <laughs> to some legal situations. We're gonna we're gonna have this government agency be the ones yeah. <laughs> those people to work for <laughs> as an illegal or operation. Yeah, it, it's it was so weird, and <laughs> and on top of that, what purpose did it serve? There was like nothing that like it really did feel like you just go from scene to scene being like I, I don't know. It was like the like if like you said the writers almost it was like what's happening because mm. later on when they he discovers this almost. Uh, Deux Machina uh, laser beam that exists conveniently at the same research laboratory. Mm -hmm. And it's like the whole movie is that. It's like, here's this random thing that this duck was doing, and then it ends with something that's sort of like, ah, well, we had to go to the next scene, so, uh... <laughs> yeah. You know, even, even where, like, the sex scene we were talking about earlier, and the what's his name brings over jeffrey jones's character and just like they just walk in while this is mm. happening we've done nothing to like show them coming in we do, like they they're just there all of a yeah. sudden and it's the same thing of like we're at this place we're fighting the bad guys and oh well you know over in that closet there there's this uh this laser beam that you know we have available to us and it's like was there any foreshadowing any setup no nothing, nothing there was nothing Give me the Chekhov's gun. Why is there not just a single line the first time that we see that lab about this laser beam that exists? What the and f? Also, too, I'm trying to figure out how is a lab assistant because you know it's obviously that uh, it's obvious that you know um, Tim Robbins' character is not someone high up in this research facility, or he's not even a research. It's a museum. So I'm just like, what? Why is a museum? science lab messing around with astrophysics i mean why would a museum have an astrophysics department none of this makes any sense even before you get into the duck stuff yes and, and that's just it. it's like the you know you're in trouble when the anthropomorphized duck coming to earth is the least uh, nonsensical it's, thing it's the only thing that actually makes sense in this movie is the fact that a duck from another world landed here and he's very and he's very sour about it yeah like cool i'd be pretty pissed too like there was some yeah. line with her where she's like oh why are you so salty or something like that and he's like oh i don't know i just got <laughs> teleported away from my home i'm in a land with no other way to get back i think you'd be pissed off too it's like yeah mm. yeah i would howard yeah <laughs> but also when he's uh when tim robbins is like going through all these trying to test his superpowers and he's like can you tell me what's gonna happen in the future he's like yeah i'm gonna walk out of this fucking room <laughs> i'm just like yeah exactly <laughs> I like the way he talks I mean, that I think that is maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when he's talking back to to Tim Robbins and just humiliating him completely. Yes, yes. And I loved the line I had wrote this down too. Where it's like you're all descended from uh, hairless apes? Yeah. Ugh, disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that's what those if they had had more of that in the movie, yeah. it would have worked a lot better. I'm like even the whole idea with him like trying to find a job and all that, that if that was more of the focus of the movie, I think it would have been so much more entertaining than this stuff with these space alien, I don't know, they're space demons or whatever the hell they are, and they've got these weird tentacle things, and that, speaking of, that that scene when the tentacle comes after Beverly, I'm just like... <laughs> that was genuinely disturbing. I wrote that down, too. Yeah. He, like, plug it in. I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, some shit out that's, of the thing. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's like some. that's, like, some, you know hentai tentacle rape shit right there because <laughs> he's also talking about how like the only way to for us to 
come into this world is to be inside you. And I'm just like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and then of course you've got the they're 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 wanting to you know take the fair maiden uh, mm-hmm. whose clothing is starting to fall off as the one that we're tying to the the table to to, to yeah. take her. I will say uh, the other note that I, I think is might uh, give us a little bit more to talk about too is she was done so dirty with the dialogue in this movie. Not like mm. dirty in a sense of like, oh, she had to say like nasty things. No, it just, it was terrible. Like uh, she it did was, not yeah. have any good lines. She sounds no. like such a, just not even vapid. Like it, I don't even know, so bad. Just like the dumbest thing you could think of. It was like nobody even tried. It's 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 It was really disappointing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah was, yeah her dialogue was terrible i mean i mean she does the best all credit to leah thompson she she's she's a worker she does the best she can with this terrible material she almost makes it work she almost yeah. makes me forget how bad the dialogue is because she is she does do a pretty good job but um and, and she looks great in this movie too oh my god i mean Whew. i yeah i forgot how much uh i had a thing for marty mcfly's mom like <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> she looked she looks very good in uh, silk underwear getting ready for bed. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this was the the first and last up until Blade. There had been no other theatrical releases of Marvel movies um, <laughs> un, for, since this one came out. And, you know, so it was like you had like, you know, what, like. 50 years or something since the first Captain America serial. And then this came out and then, and then it would be another 10 years before we got blade. Yeah. I, I thought I remembered that being the case, but I wasn't hundred percent certain. Part of me was like, well, what about there was like a Punisher movie and, but I realized I think either everything had come sort of before this, but also a lot of it was like made for TV. Like this was, a, yeah. Cause I, I don't think, I don't think Punisher. Cause I, I was thinking about Punisher. I I'm guessing maybe Punisher wasn't theatrical re- theatrically released the Dolph Lundgren one yeah Dolph. Is the only thing I can think of um and then the there was the Captain America movie that was direct to video uh, from 1990 I think that was and then the Fantastic Four movie you know that Roger Corman did was was never released at all officially yeah <laughs> go google that kids <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well we did talk about we did an episode on the Captain America one um I'm thinking about like maybe two years ago now but uh yeah, Marvel had a had a bit of a tro- had a, a, some problems with movies back then, but the and you know the other ones you can understand why they had problems. It's like you guys were not managing your properties very in a very intelligent way because you were just kind of selling them off to anybody who came off the street and said they could make a movie. But yeah. with this one, you know they must have gotten. I imagine they must have been so pissed when this came out because they had um, you hired George Lucas. <laughs> and you think like okay we got george fucking lucas mr star wars himself or yeah Jedi. Like, it's <laughs> there is no way this movie can fail <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah uh, other than that you know tim robbins was at an 11 i had that <laughs> yeah he is. yeah Leah Thompson's doing the best with what she has, and Tim Robbins just goes gangbusters. Like he just decides, oh, they told me I'm in a comic book movie, so I'm just gonna mm-hmm. like an absolute caricature of a human being. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, um, Jeffrey Jones when he does the whole Dark Overlord bit, I thought he was 
did a pretty decent job of like like his facial expressions and like the different things he was doing with his voice. I thought it was actually, I mean, it, completely senseless in the context of the movie, but it looked pretty. It, it was it was pretty uh pretty um entertaining to watch. It it was his it, what he did with it was was impressive. I like yeah, this is another place where it's like came out of nowhere. Like you okay, he we see he's alive, and then all of a sudden the next thing he's saying is like. Uh, you know, doctor, whatever is not here anymore. And it's like, mm. what? Like, again, no setup, no reason to believe that would be the case. What the hell is a uh, dark uh, overlord? Overlord, was, yeah. There was something else there. There was some other word. Uh, what's because I remember being like, why is it extra words? Dark something overlord or something like that. Anyway, I think it was because like, I think I think it was a long name in the comics is what I believe. So I think they're trying to include the whole thing in there. Um, or something like that, because it was kind of like I think in the comics it was trying to satirize that trend of villains to like over monologue, <clears throat> but here it just comes off as an over monologuing. It doesn't come off as a satire of it at all. Yeah, yeah, it, and that's just it. Well, and that's that's, an, that's another problem, right? It just it most people are going to go to the movies. They don't have that context to understand what the movie is trying to do there. So you're you're trying to satirize something when the audience doesn't isn't aware it's a satire. So it just comes off as bad. And the um, that diner scene too. I mean, like I think that's another good idea. Terrible execution, right? The idea of the hero and the villain sitting down at a diner and talking about the evil plot. Okay, yeah, I'm down with that. Like, um, one of my favorite moments in uh, uh, not not one of my favorites, but a moment I really enjoyed in uh, the Spider-Man comics was Paul Jenkins did this. Uh, I think it was like Re Return of the Green Goblin or Revenge of the Goblin or something like that, yeah. where. Spider-Man and and the Goblin are fighting, and then they kind of get exhausted. Spider-Man falls on the ground. The Goblin, he's like coming out. He's about to, you know, t you know, attack him, and he just collapses next to him because they're both exhausted. And then they just have a brief conversation about it. I thought it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that that could like yeah. There's there's definitely the capability to do something interesting there mm -hmm. i mean i feel like that is that's the true theme of like every one of these bad movies that you and i get to talk about is it's like there's this kernel of something that would it, and mm -hmm. that's what makes it so much more disappointing is it's like there was there was there was something there and you yeah. just somehow you completely whiffed it and missed the mark and you know when you have a random you have that cool opportunity like you said where it's these two sitting down across from each other and instead you decide to take five minutes out of that to have the rest of the restaurant goers chase him around and tie mm. him down like they're going to cook him alive because he's a duck. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is why I kind of like the scene when he goes to the, he goes backstage and he meets her band performers and they're there's like, oh, you're the Howard she's been talking so much about. And like, we thought you we didn't think you were real. And I'm just like, like it it felt a little bit more realistic in the fact that you know if this had happened, you'd probably be like, what the hell? But then be like. Okay, I guess this is real. I guess we just kind of go with it then. Yeah, and it's the, the, like there's you've got characters all throughout that it's this disparate. Some react as if he's horrific, and then others react as if he's just like another duck that they want to cook because you've got duck hunting mm -hmm. season. And then others react like he's oh well, you know this is cool. And then some react the way I think would be normal, which is like, what the hell? This is very strange. We thought she was imagining this, but then getting on board with it. Yeah, and I think, because, you know, if I saw an anthropomorphic duck walking around in a restaurant, my first thought wouldn't be, let's grab him and cook him. Yeah, exactly. 
Like, no. Would I be shocked? Yes. Would I be having questions about whether it was real? Like, there's some people that are like, oh, that's a good mask or a good, you know, costume. Like, yes, I'd have these questions. Uh, also, but no. <laughs> did I miss something? But why was the waitress in the diner wearing, like, a kamikaze-style bandana? I think it was somehow related to the theme of the restaurant, but they tried but to... But it seemed the... like just a regular diner. <laughs> Don't understand. Because I saw in the... That in the trivia, it mentions a sushi restaurant. I'm just like, but wait, wasn't that just a regular? I am so confused. <laughs> oh, something in the trivia mentioned a sushi restaurant. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be. Is it was a, somehow a, a sushi diner restaurant? I guess so. I mean, like a weird, like Japanese American fusion or something. I don't know. <sighs> and I feel like yeah, we, we could just go with that and and be like that's that's a microcosm of the entire movie. Mm -hmm. This. What is it trying to be? <laughs> yeah. This movie, what is it trying to be? <laughs> I think, yes, yeah, so much of this movie, it just feels... Again, the, the thing that makes the most sense here is Howard. Everything else is ridiculous. Like, I mean, if you're going to do a movie about an anthropomorphic duck walking around the real world, it has to be set in the real world. I don't know what they're doing with all this other stuff. Yeah, if they had somehow, like had another twist at the end where you find out at the just as things are about to close that it's not even really earth that somehow ha like we think it's earth but it's some you know uh, alternate version or some another planet that's very similar to earth but is offbeat that would have seemed more believable <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah um anything else you wanted to mention about howard the duck Nah, i think we've 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 managed to hit all of my notes <laughs> Talk this silliness to death. <laughs> you know, because one of the things about this show that we try to do is we try to, you know, yeah, we try to go back and look at these movies that were, you know, marginalized because of poor effects or, you know, people just didn't get it at the time or, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, look back at them and say, like, actually, there's some good stuff here. This is I don't want to say this is complete. This is absolutely not one of those movies, but it's not completely one of those movies. Right. It's there's there's some interesting stuff here and there's some things that do work in the first half but once you once you get that weird tonal shift with the dark overlord it just it turns into a completely different movie and nothing fits together anymore and it just becomes a it just becomes an absolute snooze fest after that yeah i would say like because i always think of it in terms of percentages like if if you could capture everything that makes a great movie a lot of the stuff you and i've covered especially is like those movies that were 80 percent, 90 percent of the way there uh but then just we're missing some element they they mm -hmm. didn't quite hit the mark this one is the exact flip in that there's maybe 20 30 percent maximum of like good movie here and the other 70 is what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not even the stuff that you would because i thought like the most ridiculous again I thought, you know, it would have been going to this movie. My impression is that what makes it so bad is the bad animatronics and all that stuff in the <laughs> in the duck suit. But it's like that is not the worst part of this movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. In fact, I would argue for the time it was actually pretty good. So, <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that does it for Howard the Duck. Uh, if you're curious about re about watching this movie, I say just go and and uh, buy the Steve Gerber comics instead and just read those. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Nick, good having you on again. Why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff? Yeah. Uh, so my wife and I host a podcast called In Love with Movies. Uh, you can find that on any podcasting app. 
in love with movies. You can also follow us on social media platforms. Uh, I think we exist on all of the ones that are happening right now, although God knows how long any of that's going to last. Yeah. Uh, it's at the letter N, love with movies, all spelled out. So <clears throat> we talk about uh, love and relationships, and we have guests on to talk about it. Perry's been on with us in the past. Uh, and then we, you know, use a movie to kind of get to know each other because movies are sort of my love language is what I like to say. Uh, you can also follow me at uh, Nick Loves Movies. That's N-I-C Nick, L-U-V Love. Nick Loves Movies on any social media platforms. Uh, and you'll see me, you know, sharing those things that we do for our podcast there as well. And fingers crossed, Perry, we'll, we'll get Danielle on here sometime soon to, to discuss something with uh, Superhero Wise as well. Absolutely. And if there's something on, there's something else on that's not on the list that she'd be want to, she'd want to talk about, just let me know. And as long as we haven't covered it already, I'm sure we can find a way to, to get it. Um, but yeah, that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephiles. SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on the socials, which mostly means Blue Sky and Instagram. Um, stay off X. Stay off X. <laughs> you know, don't don't give Elon Musk any money or clout or anything like that. Um, and also the comic book again, crowdfunder.com slash paragons comic, crowdfunder no e.com slash paragons comic. Please help support the book. Please go buy the book. It's um having a lot of fun working on it. And by the time this episode comes out, it should be available completely. So Anyone who backs the book will definitely get a copy. It's not one of those cases where if it doesn't meet the funding goal, it will not be released. It's still going to be released. So just we're just trying to find raise enough money to be able to pay the the artist and the my co-writer on it. So that does it for this episode. Thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. Superhero Cinephiles is produced by me, Percival Constantine, with the support of Zencaster. The show is created by myself and the late, great Derek Ferguson, our host, Emeritus. Visit us on the web at SuperheroCinephiles.com to listen to past episodes or find out how you can be a guest yourself. Support the show by visiting our advertiser links or click the Buy Me a Coffee link on the website to make a one-time donation. You can also support us by visiting Crowdfunder.com slash Paragons Comic. That's Crowdfunder with no E dot com slash Paragons Comic and help support my superhero comic book, Paragons of Earth. We are Super Cinema Pod on both Instagram and Blue Sky, so please be sure to follow us. We'd also appreciate if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.